welcome everyone to Second Star to the Left, a podcast looking at science fiction, fantasy, speculative fiction, and horror, and everything in between from the left. My name is Matt Nelson. I'm joined this morning, well, whenever you listen to this, by Bert. Hello. Chris. Hey. And Katie. Howdy. So, this week we're talking about the 2006 Alfonso Cuaron film, uh, Children of Men. So, before we get into this episode, we'll probably let you know that this episode is extremely dark for a variety of reasons, and we talk about some really difficult subject matter. So, if this is something that might be triggering to you or something concerning, you know, just let you know that we might talk about some really serious issues today. I'd really love to hear what your all's experiences with this film was. Um, I hadn't seen this film in a, actually a really long time, and so it was kind of a... Um, I saw it through, like, I think, a lot of new eyes, um, as was the first time I'd ever seen this, probably in like eight years, I think. Um, and so I saw a lot of things that I hadn't seen before, and a lot of things that were... Um, it, it was just very fresh, and I think that was something, not only in our political time, that's something to experience, but also just as a movie itself. Um, it was not... I, I, there's more about it than I remembered, I guess. And what was your all experience with it? So I don't actually know. The, I know that I've seen this movie before. I don't know the last time that I saw it. I actually don't know if I ever watched like the whole thing or if I like caught parts of it on cable or something like that because images and scenes and stuff were really familiar to me, but I vaguely remember like not having context for them. So like, like I know that I saw Michael Caine die. Like, I know that I've seen that before, but I, like, didn't remember why it happened. Like, I just didn't really have context for these things. So I have no idea if I ever just sat down and watched this movie. I thought I had, but maybe I hadn't because, uh, yeah, stuff was, like, new and surprising to me. But maybe it's just because I saw it when I was much younger and I have completely forgotten a lot of it. But, yeah. So I, it's almost like I watched it for the first time this time. Yeah, um... I have never seen this movie. Um, I think you said 2006, right? I believe so, yeah. This came out. Okay, so I... What I recall of this film was I was extremely online, even more so than now, if you can believe it, um, on something awful. And um, it... I remember a lot of people on that site having very... Stereotypical reactions to it for the user base. Um, it kind of reminded me a lot of The Dark Knight in in regards to the responses, which was very, ooh, it's dark and grim, so I like it, and um, I like the mentality of this and that. And it was to me that was very off putting. Um, although I could tell. I could tell from, like, the very basic stuff I knew about the movie, it was better than... I mean, it, it's it's artistically a little better than The Dark Knight or something like that. But it was still very... The reaction to it kind of put me off. Um, other than that, I knew very little... I mean, I knew the very basic plot structure that it's about, you know, people can't have kids anymore. Um... And other than that, the only thing it reminded me of was uh, the Nickelback song, Leader of Men, which is the only good Nickelback song. Um, <laughs> and it sounds a little something like this. 
Matt can now put in the Nickelback song. <laughs> oh, God. Ed, this is the part where you put in something horribly public domain that does not match at all. Like the <laughs> sax right here. Yeah, so that's a great track. Awesome. Copyright strike. Anyway, that's all I know about it. Um, I think I watched it right around the time that it first came out. So it's been a minute. Uh, I was, yeah, I was definitely, I definitely had a lot of different, uh, mindsets back then, namely one of just extremely untreated depression. So watching it now, it seems a lot more horrifying and salient. Um, especially from my perspective of like, oh, cool. Forced pregnancy. Great. Can't wait. It sounds awesome. Um, and, and things like of that nature. Like I have a lot of, you know, obviously opinions on on some of the themes and, and whatnot. But um, I do still remember the one thing I do remember that stuck out even more than than the plot was remembering that. So like, I think was it one or two of these like major scenes was just all a single take mm-hmm. Two. Yeah, two of them were like the single take. And I do remember like. I'm not really much of like a film buff, but watching it, rewatching it now, having seen so many films, I, I that still definitely stuck out was like the technical aspects of like, good God. So mm-hmm. the the two are when Julian Moore gets shot and when they, uh, everybody hears the crying baby and stops fighting for just long enough for them to get outside. Yeah, the big long. Well, yeah, it's the big. Yeah, I think huge it was longer. Long. Yeah, in the in the refugee camp. Yeah, when they're yeah. Yeah, it, it includes I've, a conversation, I believe, with Chiwetel Ejiofor's character as well. Like, okay, all through that. It, it's, it's How long, long was the second chase scene where they're backing the car out? They they have to push the car. I don't think that's a single take. I think that's no. multiple takes. It was no, pretty okay. close though, because it's entirely from it feels like from it. Clive yeah. Owen's perspective. So right. you they know the like fact a... that we never swap POV is like for almost the entire movie, honestly, is like I think a really important part of how it's presented to us. I think it's like totally. two or three cuts, I think, in that entire scene. Like it's very tight. Um yeah, I think Katie, I had a similar experience to you in that um the salientness of the film felt very much stronger today than it did when I first saw it. I think when I first saw it, it was kind of this like, uh, I think also somewhere like what you're talking about, Bert, the sort of grim darkness is a marker of its own authenticity. Like, oh, this is obviously very realistic because it's dark. And um, now I look at it and it's like too realistic in a way that um, makes it almost more fantastic to me like because it's so close to reality it's harder for me to process it as authentic or real um Mm -hmm. which is something i've also struggled with in the handmaid's tale tv series uh so that's just kind of an interesting way that like how um i just feel it's, it's interesting to me how different it feels when it's close to reality like that's less believable to me in a weird way by too real do you mean like I think, like, the, the it, rhetoric... It feels a little bit too documentary-ish. Yeah, it feels like... Because that was a big thing when the movie came out, apparently, from what I read, was that it had a kind of documentary style to it, almost, mm-hmm. but not, you know... Well, I think the subject matter, like, has, like, heightened... Like, there was sort of, like, like Quran was seeing, you know, elements of that back then, for sure, but to have it so blatantly... Like, the politics of the film are, like, front and center in terms of, like, uh, the Britain response to immigration... You know the the reasons why are different, but 
even even in the scenes like I, I remember the them traveling down the road I think with um, after they escape from the camp or, or from the original fish um, safe house right mm-hmm. they're traveling down this road you see like all these like factories and animal carcasses on the side of the road and even though like environmental pollution isn't overtly mentioned in the movie I feel like that was yeah. like a very clear theme in how it was presented. I thought that, so this is just from, from my perspective and my uh, sort of background um, academically, uh, and that is, uh, I thought a lot of this was, so I don't know if they ever like really overtly say like the cause of like mass infertility. I think it's just implied, like there's there's a lot of theories going around. Um, I thought with the, the like the mass deaths and everything not only was it obviously like sort of like religious in its tones but it had me thinking a lot about um with environmental pollution especially that we're seeing now with more and more like deregulation of environmental acts is the uh threat of bioaccumulation um which is uh, to really distill it and probably be wrong is sort of the these these uh chemical pollutants or environmental pollutants that essentially accumulate in, uh, you know, throughout the food chain, essentially. So fish would eat, say, perhaps a lot of mercury or just a lot of mercury, or I guess, uh, what is it now, Um, shellfish. The more you eat, essentially, the more that it accumulates and then sort of continues this, like, slow poisoning. Um, But I know that for a while, it that was part of, I think, some theories as to how like diet and everything was actually affecting fertility now in in um, a lot of young women or I guess uh, people who pubescent folks who are going through menarche because it keeps happening earlier and earlier and I think part of that was like the hormonal uh, aspect of bioaccumulation so I think that they kind of took that and went the opposite direction of like mm. what if we hit peak bioaccumulation instead of hitting uh, fertility earlier, what if it sort of negates it completely? Hey, I'm in the middle of something. Sorry. That's interesting. Um, I, like, yeah, there's definitely, like, an environmental... I felt more like... (laughs) So, I'm a big Tarkovsky buff, and a lot of this felt very much like... I I hesitate to say this, because I don't... I mean, I don't want to judge automatically what you guys thought about it, but I feel like I'm probably going to be the person who um, liked this movie the least out of you guys. I did like it. It was very good. Um, I would say it's a very good movie on the cusp of being great, but it's not great. Um, But it does, like, it feels like a movie I would make. (laughs) Like, it's, it's, the influences are very clearly, like, there were parts of this movie that I was like, that's, that's like Tarkovsky right there. Like the, just the mood of the setting, um, the kind of, the entire like landscape is totally torn up. Everything's really gray. Um, the, there's a very, very clear contrast between like nature and kind of the ruins that humans have left behind, which is very, very Tarkovsky. It's basically like shot and it feels like it's shot in Chernobyl the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's actually a decent amount of stuff from Possession that I feel was taken, which is very weird because I feel like that's like a cult movie that a lot of people haven't seen. Um, 
but the long takes uh that's that felt like it was made for me it's straight out of tarkovsky um it's it's more action oriented though is the difference um but i had a very hard time squaring the themes like I understood what it was trying to do, and I kind of it's it, it did most of it very well, but I feel like I feel like everything didn't really fit together. Um, what it was trying to say, uh, it it all made sense on its own, but it was kind of a combination of separate things that I don't really feel had to do with each other. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where of I ended up on it. Like what? Um, so, I mean, at, I feel like the core plot is like, you know, we're, we can't have children anymore. Um, and then there's this kind of hopelessness among everybody and a cynicism that's, that's felt in the, the protagonist. And then, I mean, I kind of even just called that, okay, the, the, immigrant that he's going to have to transport is going to be pregnant and then you're gonna have to save humanity through like saving this person and getting them to the end of the story but then like there's also the anti-immigration stuff which i mean it is more prescient these days and it is very interesting i don't really understand I mean, you could make cases for what it has to do with not being able to have children anymore, but it, it feels kind of different to me than that theme. It feels like these are two different things, and they're not... They both have the same, like, feeling, but I don't feel like they relate to each other so much as they're in the same movie and saying different things at the same time. I think they do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to argue with that just because yeah. I think that's exactly what's happening in Denmark. Um, that's like this hyper-nationalism. We don't want immigrants, but we are going to take federal, like our government funds to send young people to go fuck because we can't get them to have enough babies to support um, the social systems 20 years from now. I, I, like, I can relate it all to current events. I don't... Watching the movie, I didn't really get a sense that not having kids and the immigration was was connected. Like, the not having kids thing actually is, is almost... It felt like it was left un... Like, mostly unexplained. They were kind of like, well, people just can't have kids anymore. Maybe I missed a whole bunch of subtext or something, but... No, that was really it, intentional. I, like, I'm like. i fine with that, too. The, like, I kind of prefer that. Yeah. I, like, Coron has said in interviews specifically, like, I hate expository film. I hate explanations in movies. The only thing that's important here is that people cannot have children, and so that's where the movie starts. Okay, so for me, like, I'm totally good with that, Same. especially from a directorial story aspect, but the problem is, is, like, that, to me, that means not having kids, like, it's not necessarily related to the state or the politics of the thing, it's just kind of the way that the world is. And right. then it's like, well, and how so, does it relate to everything? I think it's that it, you know, it all stems from that. And the exploration is humanity and the state because we're in Britain, in, you know, the, the fascist, uh, uh, you know, police state of Britain the whole time. So, so the state's response to 
tragedy in this case right. the stand-in for tragedy is just inability to have children and that's a really specific tragedy here because what it's doing is it's taking away the future and so right it's this it's the concept of hope once you remove hope from people like how do human beings respond to that and yes. uh the like that's and what the movie is saying is like look it's terrifying like humans can't really survive without it we fall apart and then we see once there is like hope back for just a second when uh they're walking through the building with the crying baby and everybody stops fighting and everybody wants to see the baby having hope completely changes the dynamic for as long as it exists and it doesn't it doesn't last forever it's not enough on its own because obviously the violence has to start up again as soon as you know we get outside of the building but it's all the like human responses to that including feeding our worst impulses of racism and uh like you know fear of the other and that's the immigration stuff um so i do think they are connected i Um, can kind of see how like the removal of children and child and childbirthing is is kind of like symbolic of the feeling or the the loss of a future and stuff like i can see how it's all like connected i just kind of felt like at a certain point i felt like this is like one too many things it it feels like they're they're doing the immigration and the childbirth and the the fascistic government and the um assisted suicide thing and like it was like there's so much trying to get these points across that i kind of almost felt like i wish he would kind of back off and just do keep it a little simpler is all i but, yeah thought that it was showing i actually really i guess i could appreciate it now as someone who say has done a lot of research on the the far-reaching um implications of say like climate change um in the way that this is all these all branch from the same tree in the same way that say um there's even like studies and like papers out there that imply that like the whole like war in Syria the, the Syrian conflict actually does stem to a degree from climate change because of drought and uh, lack of resources and then that causes immigration immigration causes civil tension civil tensions causes war so like how you can kind of actually like trace it back and I would say that if you have this massive environmental disaster right you're going to also necessarily have war because now you're fighting over scarcer and scarcer resources right this is also potentially tied to if we're talking about like say in the case of um environmental disaster bioaccumulation i think these are all really tied together and i thought it was an interesting way for him to show how perhaps what you would put together as a single event could stem to such harrowing degrees Mm -hmm. just like within this whole sort of um i guess branching like terror of how one thing can lead to all this suffering so yeah and i think like um here is a good point particularly about like the you know if you want to go back to the state piece like in that conversation that cliveon has with uh michael kane early on they talk about rations and you can tell like there is for for actual british citizens there is support and order maintained for them with some sort of class distinctions there when he go visits i think his like um brother 
cousin. Uh, or, cousin that was, I'm sorry. Um, you know, like they're, they're well-to-do. He was obviously some kind of curator um, and wealthy before. But um, that's very different than the deprivation that everyone in the, um, the uh, refugee camp was experiencing. Um, that sort of like scrabbling to survive and all that kind of stuff. I wonder if we're not reading the film a little bit too, and I want to push back on this, literally almost with the the child and hope. Um, I wonder if, to read it really simplistically, if people were simply um, shocked by the baby, not only because it's a presence they'd never seen, but it's a sound they hadn't heard. So um, one of the things I learned very on in film studies courses uh, and editing films was that babies cry at a frequency that's extremely annoying to the human ear. Like <laughs> yeah. the particular like frequency is just like grates on us. We want them to stop. Um, yeah. Which cats exploit. Yes. And <laughs> so um, imagine the sound that's like you've never heard before. Like all those young soldiers are sort of like stunned. They don't know what to do. You know, I think that woman, the old woman that sort of like Carrie walks with them, she has mm-hmm. this like sense of um, almost a grandmotherly ish sense. Like, I, you can tell she's right. a person that has seen kids interacted with them and, and knows what babies are and what they're about. Um, but to, to see this child, like, I wonder if it. Because there isn't necessarily hope at the end. I think that's something that we have to read into ourselves. Like, yes, there's the human project. Yes, they're going to study what happened um, and, and find out. But there's no guarantee that things are going to change. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, with the sound, I think you're right. Because they make an overt mention to frequencies and the ear cells dying. And she's like, enjoy it while mm-hmm. it lasts. It's Because like, you're not going to hear it soon. So she like makes a Julian Moore's character makes mm-hmm. a specific reference to that. So I think like definitely I think the whole like you know crying child is intentional when the film like the director makes it a point to to mention sound and frequency and that specific frequency of sound dying. Yeah, and that's also analogous to like the overall themes of the movie, which is just like, I mean, literally your, your cells are dying and they're never going to come back, which is literally what's happening to everybody. Like they have no, um, carrying on of their genes anymore. That's, it's literally about hopelessness. Just, there's no point. Um, Clive Owen's character early on is very like, who gives a shit? Cause nothing really matters anymore. Cause we're not having kids and everything sucks, which, well, uh, that's probably what I associated most with in the movie as like um, attitudes that prevail today, even like politically is just, well, everything's fucked. So what's the point? Um, and, and really like with the global warming crossover and everything, I think that's more of like, I think that was the most prescient thing about the movie for me. And the thing that has really borne fruit, not some, I know people look at the immigration and they go, you know, we, that's all really relevant today. I mean, it is, but like, I feel like the reason the movie is is very relevant and and uh, ahead of its time in that way is it it kind of um, prophesies the whole cynicism that we have where just everything is is too far gone um, with climate change with everything else it's like well there's nothing to be done about it you know yeah well and I don't just oh go ahead oh 
Oh, that's not necessarily true. People do have a lot of hope on techno salvation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's... There might not be an analog to that in this movie. Um, but, I mean, that's kind of... I mean, we're uh, 13 years removed, so it's, it's like, calling any of it is, is very interesting, because I don't feel like these attitudes were prevailing in 2006 so much. Um, uh, there's a lot of, I mean, the, the big overriding thing with, like, the baby in the end and, and everything, really the last half of the movie is the, the spiritual undercurrent to this movie, which is another reason um, I feel like it went... A little, a little overboard for me, um, and that's just because for me personally, with spiritual-wise, like Jesus analogies, um, a very tiny bit goes a super long way, um, and just I would prefer it as subtle as possible. And like the sandal scene was, I was like, okay, I get it, we're there, and then like <laughs> everything for the rest of the movie is like I. I, I almost felt like I was watching like one of the Matrix sequels or something. You know what I mean? Where it's like I I get the Jesus stuff. You don't have to go there. Neo I know. is the one. I right. I appreciated the immaculate consumption prank moment though. I thought that was a nice, <laughs> a nice. Scene. See, even there, I was like, I mean, I appreciate it, but it's it's like I get it. I, I get what we're doing. We don't have to. Again, like so little goes such a long way for me that once once you get into where it's it's where we're we're throwing it out there i'm like all right let's back off a little bit because because like it it feels a bit too for for those in the back who are not paying attention this is about jesus and um <laughs> uh by the end of the movie it's it's very clear now now i had read about it that um the source material is like overtly spiritual. The the source like material extreme. is about Christianity overcoming, you know, nihilism or atheism or whatever. Um, yeah, and Quran was not interested in that um, at all. And he he see interestingly like everything I read I read about him in the making of this movie where he like you said he wasn't interested in exposition. He wants very little of it. And he kind of cut a lot of the spiritual undercurrents out. That's I agree with him, but it's kind of like I almost felt like he left a little too much for me in. It's it's not bad by it. Like I said, this is a very very good film. I would I would not even. This is all kind of nitpicking, but <laughs> what little exposition there is is still kind of like I wish it wasn't here. And what little spirituality is left over from the source material, I'm kind of like, I wish it was toned down a little bit, or what, at least a little more subtle. What exposition was there even, really? I, it's mostly I, towards the beginning of the film. Um, like, when when uh, Michael Caine and Clive Owen are having their discussion, and it's very like, ah, you remember when they did that, however many yeah. years ago, and I'm like, I'm like, nobody talks like this. Like, I know we're trying to set it up, but, like, I honestly wish they just wasn't, or they have, like, the photos, and, ah, this photo was when you were doing it. I'm like, I, I got it. Like, or, or we're doing exposition. Yeah. Julianne Moore and Clive Owen, like, they sort of, um, mm. as they re-encounter each other, their re-encounters become a vehicle for exposition. Right. My Now, my favorite part of that is when they're in the car. Um... And it's almost, it's almost too much because that's the start of the long take. And they're like, hey, remember when we, 
were a couple and everything was so great. And I'm like, this could really suck if it's just a scene in isolation and it's just exposition. Like, hey, right. we used to be a couple. Here's all the backstory. But then she, like, dies. Like, right. The whole point later. is, like, make you fall in love with Julianne Moore's character and their relationship in 30 seconds and then, like, rip her away from you. And then totally contrasted in one shot that's, yeah. like, a slow pan. So I'm yeah. I'm in love with that scene. I would, I, <laughs> you know. Th- what um, this movie does the best, I think, is it takes any moment of potential levity uh, and then it immediately turns it into dog shit for you. So it's really <laughs> Which again is thematically in in That's <laughs> true. Right. Like, they're that's they're what taking the movie's your hope about. away each time that that happens. <laughs> so right. they're like putting you into the into the movie. Yeah. Well, speaking of the hope piece, um, one of the things I appreciate most also I, I, to speak to the exposition piece, um, is just um, this is to Koran's fi- uh, credit as a filmmaker all the little pieces of information that are happening in the background. So like the office has um, empty desks that are just like plastic is over them. This person is no longer there. Um, The baby Diego murder. um, That sort of, I just love all the little pieces that happen over the course of this, the, the advertising being used to communicate a little bit of exposition. Um, Quran does a lot with just all that background, that texture that helps you just feel the depth of the situation that they're in just so quickly. I I thought that was just extremely well done that like that economy of using the background, I think is something that you don't often see from filmmakers in terms of communicating what's going on. Yeah. um, One of my favorite things about this film um, aside from the long takes is, is just the teeth that it has. Um, it's very unflinching. Um, right at the beginning. I mean, I, I, I started watching it and the baby Diego stuff and, and it, that was kind of expositioning and I was, but I mean, it was fine, but I was kind of like, okay, we're in a future society. Dystopian. They gotta put you in the world somehow. It's grim, and right? Most but of it then is showing you the like immigrants in cages and stuff. Right. He walks outside. the The setting is very well realized. There's a lot of like like uh, there's digital displays on buses, and it it feels like different and weird. But it's not like CGI. Mm-hmm. It's just like real. And then the bombing happens, and just the cut is expertly done like horror movie stuff. I felt like I was watching like a straight up horror film. Um and I was like, oh great. This is gonna be amazing. And then it kinda tones down. But every time there's something like that, it it really you I guess you guys would call it depressing, but that's kind of because I like horror movies so much, it was it was very moving to me in a different way. Like um the uh one of the ones that sticks with me is the um who's the late what's the lady's name who's with the refugee the spiritual lady key not not no. key uh, miriam 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 yeah so when another she, very biblical reference yeah true. Uh, yeah when she effectively dies like she's taken off the bus and the way the shot just lingers out the window and he tells you what's going to happen just in mm-hmm. the movement of the camera, mm-hmm. that's like so good. He, it's it's just literally she's she's getting like wrestled around and a bag's put on her head and then it pans over, and people are like being detained and then it's like 
there's a bunch of police screaming and beating people, and then it's, like, just people dead in a pile. So it's like, okay, that's the process of events, and it's so matter-of-fact and not, like, uncaring. It's it's just amazing. Like, that kind of stuff is... is um, just directorially brilliant. I feel like after that, though, where it's the big long shot of him going through the town and everybody dying left and right and him managing to avoid it, it, it kind of veers into a little ridiculous. It might just be the length of it. Um, but oh, that's, it's very that's much... when he's when the fish have have grabbed her up and he's going after her again. You mean or the whole big long shot where he has key and the baby and they're going through the town and and everybody okay. left and right and there's squibs going off and and yeah uh it it hit a point where it was like it was impressive but it also kind of took away from the teeth of the movie to have these two people just magically avoid it it didn't hit 2012 territory <laughs> but it kind of was getting like this is undoing a little bit of the the grit of the movie just because they're magically making it through all this stuff and it just keeps it keeps piling and piling until it 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 doesn't get ridiculous but it's it's almost there like you know well i think also the fact that clive owen doesn't make it is like pretty important there like for, for i don't know like kind of makes up a little bit of that unbelievability um, mm-hmm. as well as just being, like, a really important element of the story. Because I think part of the hope that we have for the whole time is not just that, um, oh, she, you know, she has a baby, society might be saved, but it's also, like, as viewers of the movie, what we get to keep seeing are um, people willing to help her, even at extraordinary cost to themselves, because right. of what is important and she keeps at at the moment when they are in need they keep finding the people so you know julianne moore dies but she specifically brought in clive owen clearly because she didn't know who she could trust uh you know they they have michael kane they michael kane dies they have miriam they have the gypsy lady like they just keep running into people and not everybody is good because they run into we do have to talk about the police officer who talks about himself in third person the entire time um but that that like balance between you know everything is terrible and so the relic you know the things that are good that happen aren't like objectively good but relative to the horrors of the world that we're living in we keep having you know some like moments of purity keep happening um i don't really know how that particularly connects to them not getting shot the entire time but well, i want to give a shout out to the leninist grandpa that guy ruled. <laughs> oh yeah the minute lenin shows up, i'm like whoa lenin's in this movie awesome <laughs> um with leftism though how do you feel about like the way <laughs> I think Quran is critical of political activism yeah. like in a sort of cynical way um, yeah I'm not a big fan of how the the Fisher treat or like come across in this movie yeah it's kind of like backs I mean I understand that it's very it's a very common you I, know 
you, you concept re- that leftists backstab each other until there's like no one left but like it kind of becomes like almost a criticism of of the entire thing at that point i don't know if i'd read it i wonder i don't think this was it might be it might not be uh intentional by quaron but the notion of um a vanguard party leading i think he's very critical of that notion like the okay. fish repeatedly invoke that notion of like the revolutions at hand now um we're seizing right. the moments and um the child will be our figure um that to me seems to those people are criticizing putting party over people i guess i think so but i think also just the notion of um leadership and you you can't like it's people trying to insert themselves in the position of being a leader without Mm -hmm. having earned it from the people it's how i would i would read that as a criticism perhaps like an anarchist driven criticism of the film that um those people just come in and they're like, well, we're we have guns and we're gonna show people we're gonna lead the revolution. And you're like, what did you do to? You weren't here <laughs> with us yesterday as we were having our funeral celebration. Um, you weren't here with us as we were trying to make things work because you were on the inside and sort of um, a more comfortable life than all the refugees immigrants have been living. I don't know. That's just one potential reading, I guess. Well, there's also like he has Julianne Moore killed. I'm pretty sure that was yes, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah he explicitly. That. And then yeah, it's very clear like we're gonna kill all these people so we can get like, and it's like, I mean, <laughs> I get it, but it's 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 very like, don't they? I, I mean, I don't know. They have enough problems as it is. It, it feels a little like. Like the, this, on on this side we have the fascists. On this side we have the leftists who can't get their shit together and kill each other. Like it, I, I don't know. Right, I there's feel like smacks of like, I can't tell. Maybe these two the answer apart. is everybody in the middle. Is, exactly. Everybody is terrible. Yeah, there's <laughs> definitely some of that. And, and like, I mean, the the leftists are clearly not as bad as the fascist state. I mean, I'm right. sorry. <laughs> well, and and I mean the fascist state in this movie is like pretty pretty terrible, and like mm-hmm. at least even at least though, it's not yeah yeah e- e- even though Edgefor's character is not a not admirable in very many ways the 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 film ascribes like a level of good intentions to him if nothing else. Um, I'm glad he got some material to work with in this film, yeah. Matt, as opposed to the last film where he's and it's hilarious because he's giving like speeches in the last film, but this film he he gets like a few lines and they're so much better. It's yeah. like oh my gosh, he's a great actor. Why why was he sandled, saddled with that kind of material? Um, yeah, this is all he needed. Like that character was super interesting and yeah, t- you know, had three minutes of dialogue or whatever. Do y'all think the film maybe plays with cliche a little bit? Maybe purposefully? Like which cliches? Yeah. I'm thinking of the Ruby Tuesday Ruby Tuesday <laughs> um, assisted suicide scene. Like in I, my instinctual reaction to that was to be like, oh my god, like really like this is the most ham fisted way of doing this, but at the same time it felt appropriate. I don't know why. Uh, probably because it wasn't the original version. Okay. Oh, it was very clearly a cover of what sounded like yeah. a non-native English speaker, as opposed to the original version, which is the Rolling Stones. So, 
Yeah. Quran definitely likes his his classic rock though because there's a lot of that in this movie which may be thematically trying to say something like this is old people music. <laughs> um I think the one thing that went too far for that it, with that for me in this movie was the um the Pink Floyd reference um oh. with the giant pig. Uh I was immediately like why is that in this movie? <laughs> um it's really obvious. That's a good example for me of I wish this was a little more subtle. Like we don't have to go so far into hello we're now doing the album cover by Pink Floyd. Like, let's back off a little bit from that. But, I mean, I guess visually it's interesting. Um, I liked that it's scene, all kind though. Of, yeah, where the scene's great. Where he talking about, like, what are you doing this all for in 100 years? No one can see it. And he's just like, I just don't think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That scene was um, so disorienting. Just yes. the the, you know the wealth and the luxury as opposed to like every single other scene, the way his cousin interacted with his, I'm not totally sure what the relationship was there, but the, the, that weird relationship that they had, it was just like very, I I don't know, just kind of felt like a dream state kind of thing as uh, inside the rest of the movie. Yeah. Well, I do like, while the, the long takes are like, technically amazing and i love them i think my favorite scene in this movie is um for i guess kind of personal reasons um uh when they're at michael kane's house with key and clive owen like comes back in the house mm-hmm. and he's like washing something and overhearing the entire discussion but he's not in the discussion yeah um and michael kane starts talking about um he starts talking about like faith and chance is what he says. Mm-hmm. And the minute I heard it, I was like, this is straight out of possession. There's a huge giant, like ranting monologue in possession about, um, it's like the two sisters of faith and chance, like the, and it's this duality inside this person. And I was like, that's like, I literally immediately Googled it. Like maybe this is from some other source material and it's not huh. like it's, 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 it's so specific i feel like this guy had to have seen that movie and that whole scene like it it's again it's it's a really long shot long shot and nothing's really happening and then like it goes from them being happy and then having this conversation about dylan and then he totally realizes like oh my gosh i'm not in this conversation and I don't have my kid anymore and it's it's it just immediately turns on a dime and then he leaves the scene i'm like this is this is just incredible filmmaking i wish it would like that's kind of why i feel like the end of the movie is like i mean it's good but like when the movie slows down it's like oh my gosh this is so good like mm-hmm. it's it's incredibly good um yeah actually it, it's really weird because like a lot of the movie is action is like chase scenes and yeah. Those don't and they were well shot and well directed and everything and 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 a couple of them are really really important. The one in the car backing up is is like very important character and plot mm-hmm. wise. Um but it really like these are not the things that I remember about the movie really. Like I just the the character moments when we get a little quiet when the the uh gypsies 
like, and that's I know that's a slur or whatever, but I don't know if they're actually Roma. Romani or whatever. Yeah. Um, but the when they're in the, the and the the old people are like poking at the baby and giving her oranges and stuff. Like those are the scenes that just like, I don't know. They they really stuck with me. Yeah, that stuff is like I. I feel like I'm watching like a Tarkovsky movie at that point. I'm mm-hmm. like, this is great. And that's, that's kind of what I meant is like, that's like a perfect distillation of this film to me is like, it's very, very good and it could be great. And at moments it is great, but I almost feel like it, it backs off to be not an action movie. It's just a thriller. Like it, it wants to have people run around and do exciting things. And it does a very good job. It's, it's not bad, but like I feel, I feel like those parts are really good, and then the character moments are great. And I almost wish it would pick the other side, even we, though... Could we have know. those character moments without the tension of the fact that they are always fleeing? Is that possible? Uh, when we watch Tarkovsky, you'll see. Well, <laughs> yes, you can. You absolutely I mean, can. So you, you can, but in this story and in this world... I think a big part of the reason that they feel so impressive and important is because of the tension with the fact that we're pretty sure that, like, most of the characters aren't going to make it through this alive and that, you sure. know, we have a, a task that Clive Owen needs to accomplish and it's it's great that they can have a moment, but they're just about to pack up and leave for X thing the whole time like that pressure on there right. like to keep the plot moving is a big part of what makes those slowdown moments yeah but you you get to take a breath yeah it definitely works I, I won't say it won't works like it's a good dichotomy it's it's i'm just the guy who likes boring slow movies that <laughs> <laughs> um well speaking of characters i also think that clive owen's character is probably some of his best work um what else he, has he been in um he seems way more famous to me than like he's actually been in movies for some reason like movies that i've seen with him in it are mostly like the born identity and like i'm not confident in much else closer i, I guess googling. i hear googling happening yeah uh, he was in that know. natalie portman jude law film that was about closer, closer. Closer, yes. That was a yeah. very. I don't, don't remember much about that one except I think a love triangle or a love square. Um, <laughs> it was extremely weird and sexist. From what Polycule. I He's great in this movie. He's uh, tremendous in this movie. Yeah, he. At the beginning, I was kind of worried because he's he's very like aloof and cynical. Um, and that's, but that's the arc. Like by the end of the movie, he's, yeah, he's, he's Jesus. In. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, is he? Jesus? That's he's a more, pretty big more, arc to go like, through. He's more Joseph. John the Baptist or your Joseph Shore. Yeah, yeah, to me, he was hundred percent Joseph. Like he's helping a that's pregnant funny. woman who is not carrying his child. Um, like that to me is like the to to translate from the biblical parallels. Like those are the key aspects that define his fatherhood of this child. Um, yeah, but he made the ultimate sacrifice so that humanity could live on, and also he had to put on sandals when he got stigmata on his feet. You know, I'm just saying. It's he's very also, clearly... He's also, like, always washing his feet. 
Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's important. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Well, uh, I mean, could that be symbolic of any? Who knows? Who has? Who could well, ever know? An- animals are in like every scene of this movie, uh, and that's almost that again to me almost becomes a little unsubtle. It's like every single scene, uh, there's an animal um, usually cozying up to Clive Owen, which. Uh, I get it, but it, uh, and in, in certain cases, it's awesome. Like the, um, there's the amazing, there's the amazing transition between like the, the cat purring and the, uh, the motorcycle engine, um, which I was like, that's great. Again, great use of sound. There's a lot of good sound in this movie. Um, but then sometimes it's like, there's dogs in this scene because we need to get across that <laughs> the animals are part of nature and the humans are ruining everything it's it you know that's kind of how it feels um although there's probably multiple messages in that um but yeah there's there's a lot of that in this movie katie you mentioned at the start of the forced pregnancy kind of thing i'm curious if you thought if you want to share more about that um and your perception i guess of key do you feel like she's reluctant or um, I'm, I'm curious because, like, I, I never considered that as a reading of her sort of motivations or feelings. Um, she seems, I guess, resigned or sort of, um, I don't want to say like jovial, but kind of like fuck it about the whole thing. Like, I, I don't know how you guys sort of uh, perceive that or, or read that. I felt Key overall was portrayed mostly as a peripheral character more than anything. She's the baby carrier. Um, mm hmm. Her desires or wills aren't really made known except when they relate to Clive Owens. Um, so such, such as, like, I just need him here sort of thing. Um, you get the impression that, you know, she's maybe, like, strong-willed or, um, you know, I, she's that she's just young. And um, obviously what, they, what she said about, like, I didn't know anything about babies. What the hell am I doing? Uh, that this role was definitely like thrust upon her rather than like her necessarily wanting it because again she never considered it since everyone was was mostly infertile um but the whole constant background message of resisting fertility tests is a crime Mm. um implies that yes you're also not going to have birth control either like birth control is probably outlawed most likely and as a result of that um like women just there's no reproductive justice period um so that's how i felt it was just like oh cool i guess if you got i mean i'm not really sure they're saying infertile but miriam at one point talks about how often women are miscarrying and how late they're miscarrying yeah and all i could think of is like imagine being forced to do that over and over and over again mm-hmm. i thought that that was just the story of when it happened at the beginning because then she said and then I looked at my appointment book, and there were no there appointments. There weren't any. So I thought yeah. that that was just like, you know, we hit a line, and then it's all miscarriages, and then nobody ever gets pregnant at all after that. That's but what I thought. Maybe. It could be that you don't get a lot of that. Like, you know that they that they're late-term miscarriages, and they're like mid-term miscarriages. Um, and then, again, she said that she stopped seeing stuff. A lot of women just don't go to the doctor after a certain point. Like, a lot of times, like, miscarriages happen... Um, Maybe around the before the first three months. That's why a lot of women don't right. even announce 
mm-hmm. um, that they're pregnant until after the first trimester. A lot of times when you see those announcements is because of the the rate of miscarriage early on is so high. Um, and so that's all I could think about is like, well, what's just being unreported? Like what's being undocumented? Like are women like sort of getting pregnant, but they're not viable and just miscarrying all the time? Or are they just not getting pregnant, period? Um, are they just kind of going unnoticed? Because even if fertility uh, is necessarily like you know to to avoid fertility justice is a crime like but how like how easily accessible like there's antidepressants and there are um suicide drugs in those rations are there pregnancy tests probably not yeah um so stuff like that is just sort of the whole i don't know i I definitely saw it as a this fucking sucks um but it could be that that's not a huge deal to people, obviously, because people aren't getting pregnant for 18 years. But we don't really necessarily know how often that's happening, especially since this, this first pregnancy in 18 years is a refugee woman. So it means that clearly they're paying attention to their citizens, but who are they not paying attention to? Also, that was a choice um, made during production or, or pre-production or whatever. But th- that was a choice specifically made for the movie to make Key's character an immigrant. Um, right. In the book, she's uh, just a white British woman, I believe. Like, Julianne Moore was originally supposed to... was originally cast to play the pregnant woman. Um, yeah. And then they just changed that. Well, I think it's the same character in the book. I think I think his ex-wife oh, is okay. pregnant. That's, I think that's what I read. But either way, it's like... it. It's a good decision, given... I kind of wonder how much immigration played a part in the, the source material, um, or if that was made more of a thing um, in the movie, and that would make more sense with, with switching the character. Um, there's also, like, I was kind of, I was kind of fascinated by um, the way Key and... Um, I wish I knew Julianne Moore's character's name. Her her character, the way they, uh, kind it was, of tra- it was Julian. Yeah. Julian, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's right. I remember thinking, oh, they didn't change her name. Uh, I I was kind of fascinated by how they kind of treat the matter of sex and and um, what partners they've had and stuff like that. It's very like casual and. Uh, the, the the thing with the virgin birth joke is is she's like, eh, it was some guys I don't remember. Like, I did not keep track. And then Julianne Moore, when she's, uh, she's like giving Clive Owen shit in the car with, like, these other people that he doesn't even know. And I'm like, this is I, I I'm not sure if he's doing this to kind of um, do the kind of uh, second or third wave feminism thing, or if he's more like making a statement that now that sex isn't explicitly like it, it's clearly not capable of being about reproduction if it's more casual it, it's kind of hard to tell like why that's why that behavior is in the movie um but it was interesting i don't know if you guys noticed that at all mm-hmm. well i, I noticed uh, julian moore and clive owen have a lot of chemistry mm-hmm. but that kiss feels almost like the kiss that she gives him as they're about to hop on the bus, I think, um, feels so um, unremarkable. It's, well, the it's romance not, is gone. They're, yeah, exactly, know. yes. The romance is gone. 
it's like um, as a divorcee, I'm, I can say that is very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> it, it almost is like that. Like um, it's like a comf- it's like a hug, like between right. like, people that shared like a deep intimacy, and it doesn't mean anything more. It's not a promise necessarily of things to come. You as a viewer want to like you want to read into that. You want to be like, oh, they're going to end up together, and this will solve things for them. Um, it's the anti twenty twelve moment. It's great. <laughs> you want to read into that. But uh, it's not there. It's not promising. Not only really. do they not get back together, they, he uh, Clive Owen doesn't get the kids, <laughs> and he <laughs> dies instead of the new husband. It's it's just all bad all over. Um, but to speak to your point about the immigrant thing, I think that's actually really powerful. Obviously, um, yeah. And to have the hope of humanity be in a um, a child of color or a person of color. Like that is something that you don't usually see in, you know, films. Like it's like the book. It's going to be, you know, your average everyday British white lady, um, right. who becomes the the focus of human civilization. And I, I appreciate this representation that that but, is not the case in this world. But because she was so dependent on him, it's right. very white saviory. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That's that's definitely in there for sure. Yeah, I feel like this movie does straddle a bit of a line between like, um, like politically, it's like it it wants to have its like leftist cake and eat it too. It's it, it kind of goes in that direction, and it it's very clearly saying those things, but then it kind of moves more towards the center at different points. It, it does feel a little like that. Um, well, like, he but teaches like, her, like, how to quiet the baby, like, like to speak to your point, Katie, like, the lightsaber thing. Also, like, the male person is better at, like, right. doing things than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, like, teaches her how to, like, quiet him or uh, pat the baby's back. Burp him? Yeah. Yep. Burp her, I guess. See, I like that Burp moment, her. though. Because I, it, it did make sense in the sense of, like, he had a child at one point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I appreciate That's a the big part of his character, moment. yeah. I appreciate yeah. the tragedy of that moment, but... T- Thematically, not speak, broadly yeah. speaking, the scale like support to support your point, Katie. Yeah. Also, I just did not understand the prevalence of white people with dreads in this. <laughs> it made like no it's a dirty a world, question. and they had some dirty hair. <laughs> Those were also only the leftists, right? It's only uh, mm-hmm. the, the two most prevalent ones are the that fish um, yeah, sub lieutenant, whatever Patrick and, 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 Mir- and Miriam, of which Miriam also had a piercing, so you could see how alt she was. Oh, like yeah. 50. Um, yeah, it was just really weird, like, the the costume design, because uh, it didn't seem like, I don't really know, well, uh, I was, if Key had, like, natural hair, it it was still, like, sort of styled. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, so I was just like, uh, what? Yeah. Um, it's, it was a little bit weird. Yeah, I just didn't, I did not understand the... The, the point of it unless they were trying to say like these fucking hippies like i don't know um that's that's michael kane yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure that was definitely like this fucking hippie dude um i mean i mean but if michael kane michael kane can dude, pull that is, off the movie is very pro hippie like oh for sure but that's kind of what i mean between like so there's left and then there's like liberal hippie you know like and i feel like the movie's more in that domain where Kane, and Kane hippies want to think of themselves as leftists Kane is um, very pragmatic like he's one of the most pragmatic characters in the entire film 
yeah. Uh, like he, he's very much like things are as they are, and um, he strikes me as a person that had a radical upbringing and then sort of resigns himself. To, he, he's sort of like that parable of the radical who eventually finds security and is like, I'll just coast with this for a while. Yeah, and Clive Owen is too. Like yes, he, yeah. they they make comments about how he used to be involved in all this stuff and he's just now he's just a dude who is jaded and doesn't care. Um, but they're also both like forced to buckle their gun belts back on and you know <laughs> go back out into the into one the more West. case and then yeah. they can retire. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I think Michael Caine's case does, or belt doesn't have so many bullets as much as joints. <laughs> bullets, not so many bullets. Oh, yeah, as strawberry once. cough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, him, um, I, actually, one of my favorite moments was him hanging out with Miriam. That little, like, subtle scene. It's him and Miriam. Because he, he has her take a, a toke of the strawberry cough. And um, she immediately yeah, catches it. talking about the same scene I was talking about, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she immediately catches on the um, strawberry flavor that Clive Owen wasn't so quick to pick up on, and kind of like her yeah. like, hippie credentials. Um, <laughs> and, oh, and I, I get it. It's strawberries. Yeah, I think she and him are flirting a little bit in a really cute way. Like, I, I enjoyed that moment. Yeah, um, she's a Miriam's a really odd character in this movie. Um, I don't like her for the most part, but it's just she's like the embodiment of like new age stuff because she's like out yeah there. she's yeah, yeah. played a little bit like the crazy lady and i don't and it's this kind of the same with um she's uh, who's who's the uh the woman that helps them uh get through marishka marishka she starts out as very clearly like it's kind of like the, the crazy lady who no one can understand and outstays her welcome and it's it's weird yes. and then it feels a little bit like she's the the foreign lady who can't understand it, it, it I don't know it, it, it's it, it a goes yeah, a little yeah. bit into that territory yeah but then she beats the shit out of Sid so yeah it, she kind of salvation yeah but it's like whatever it's just still a little bit like yeah oh yeah yeah that yeah she's a plot contrivance she's not really a character yeah 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 um what about the what's the quietest mm. that's so in the background of this movie and the only time i remember it seeming really important was when um michael kane like assisted suicided his wife um I think Quietus was the stuff that he gave. Is that how yep. that worked? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so why do we does, do we have any theories on why that's a thing? Like, what's the deal? I don't really understand. Um, what maybe people were just having too messy of suicides. Well, no, it's it's it goes to the idea of like you know death with dignity, um, assisted suicide, like you know, especially if you're like terminally ill, like no, no one. But it's state sponsored. Yes, it's state sponsored. Well, well think of, so, I mean, you have to remember that, like, uh, presumably the state could provide some things, but not all things. And you know, like, like to Katie mentioned the whole Denmark piece, um, because you need young people to care for, care for, and fuel the social state of the future. If there's not people that can take care of you, 
if there's not people that can provide that sort of domestic labor support because everyone else is kind of just trying to get on by with other things, then uh, I imagine that the government is going to be like, yeah, it's a suicide. Like, we know of no other way to handle this gracefully. Right, but then I guess I also understand what Bert's asking, which is like, so we have all these people, essentially, who are presumably getting a monthly supply of this uh, of this suicide drug. Um, and perhaps it's either because of despair, the state of the world, or lack of resources. But then also they're still keeping the immigrants out. So, yeah. Like, so clearly like they're not replacing their population. Uh, that, see, that... To, that feels more prevalent today like the whole um uh what do you call it the stupid replacement white genocide the great replacement conspiracy theory nonsense yeah. where they're, they're so concerned with keeping their culture that they it, but that they kind of like their, their culture literally just cripples itself because it's so insular and 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 literally just have to keep everybody out all the time like um it I don't know if it's like that or if it's almost like a um a, it's playing into the whole population control aspect but that just feels it like I said it in this movie I, I kind of feel like it's it's hard to connect all the dots together to well, make like the, one it's the entire picture. world giving up right so even the one country that still has a semblance of government and order and stuff is still acknowledging like we're running out of time and there's nothing that can be done, and so we might as well, you know, maybe the best thing to do is just quit. To peace out gracefully. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's just kind of weird that the fish, that the fascist government would have like, eh, be I, like, yeah, let's do that. It's it's just I don't know. To me, I thought the I got the impression that quietus wasn't the thing that they gave out. Um, like they gave out regular drugs, like, or not regular, but like. Antidepressants or SSRIs, Xanax. yeah, yeah. They give up they both. Give up those. Michael Caine says like the government in our yeah. ration sends us antidepressants and the, they said that, the suicide yeah. drugs, but, uh, okay. but ganja is still illegal. Is what he said. Okay. Yeah. So they're presumably yeah, giving this out monthly. <laughs> I guess that's like big pharma taken to the extreme. Maybe. Maybe uh, I don't know, but like that's not a sustainable <laughs> business model for a lot of people. If like. Make this drug; it's gonna kill you. We're not gonna have repeat customers here, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Again, I feel like that's that's kind of on the the liberal the, the liberal concept of things. It's it's not neoliberal. Like like twenty twelve is neoliberal. This is more liberal, and kind of pushing left, but not quite there. So like, I feel like it's it's kind of like this is what happens if the state runs like medication and and healthcare and all that which I don't agree with but I'm just saying that's almost what it feels like to me if they run um, the end of the world yeah exactly <laughs> um 2012 was I don't even think it could concern itself with those kind of issues which is very <laughs> neoliberal like who cares <laughs> healthcare what why is that a problem do the do the serfs have a problem with the healthcare it's no, all drowned Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, there are a lot of interesting dichotomies between this the uh, the two movies. Um, there's there's the teeth of the movie. Um, 
this movie is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 2012. This this movie kills people. Like like children of men will like unflinchingly kill people in front of you. Well, 2012 did that too. Slowly. They just didn't care. <laughs> Reflect on it. <laughs> right. It, well, yeah, it kills old ladies for like a joke scene, you know. Well, there'll be like, like also not... like people falling out of the buildings <laughs> in 2012 and it's just like, "Oh, well, they're they're implicitly dead. Look at all those people who just fucking ate it when the uh, right yeah so it's just like, those people those people you don't know because we didn't introduce them to you along with the other 18 characters died <laughs> how do you feel about that like as opposed to children of men like i mean there are nameless people dying but like the first one literally has her arm and her other arm and is like screaming and it cuts mm. away it's like oh my gosh like this is like devastating <laughs> as opposed to like literal cgi devastation that i could care less about you know yeah yeah emotional devastation is a little more compelling than yeah. just like here's a big mess so yeah. I'm, I'm curious i want to get everyone's thoughts what's kind of the takeaway for you for this movie like what what, what, do, you, what do you leave the film feeling or thinking about I think my joke answer is the scene with Michael Caine putting on some fucking weird ass industrial noise for yeah. Zen music. <laughs> that was Dude. great. <laughs> oh my gosh. He turned that on. It was like it was like future swans or something. Oh, I'm like, like this shit this rules. Like, I was like, oh, this old man's listening to some awesome shit. Is this old yeah, man listening uh, to fucking Boris? Like what's happening? <laughs> I was into it. I was too. I was and it's just the scre- it's just somebody screaming like they're being murdered. Yeah. I was like, whoa. <laughs> this guy's this guy's crazy. And then he used did he use that for the alarm or was it just some like, yep, It was another thing for an alarm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But it was that same but, vein, I think, yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I think my takeaway is um, director's really great. Um, he like has stylist. not made enough. I, I, I don't yeah. really know what's happened. I mean, obviously he made Gravity, but I feel like the well, potential... he made Roma, right? That that was mm-hmm. a Best Picture nominee. Yeah, yep. true, 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 true. But I, I feel so, like just his catalog is, and maybe maybe this is just how he works and stuff. He only wants to do so many but i i feel like i want more i approve of films i approve of picking your projects very slowly but that's just me um but yeah director wise it's it's very very good um i i would be interested in watching more of his movies uh honestly especially if they're not like i know he did a itu mama tambien i i i've heard all about that i'd love to see that um since they're not sci-fi based i'm kind of like I said, I liked when he slowed it down and took it on a personal level, so I'd actually be interested in seeing him not in that role. Um, the actors are great. Uh, I just recently saw another Julianne Moore movie, um, Gloria, which was uh, Gloria Bell, which was good. Um, I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. <laughs> uh, it's not so much that it was depressing, it's kind of like I got everything I needed out of it. I don't feel like it's going to reward me much on watching it again. But it was it was very it was a very very good film. It was definitely the best film we've seen so far. Um Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's better than 2012. Wow. <laughs> Are you sure? Oh, it's close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I was actually a little nervous about this episode because there's not there's nothing to like yell about for sure. Um but yeah. 
That's a good question. Like, what's the worst thing in the movie? Um, White people dreads. <laughs> She's immediate. It's, white, it's the white people dreads. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I'm a fan of King Crimson, but, like, I don't know. That seems a little much for me. Yeah. Just blasting the King Crimson in the car. I'm kind of <laughs> like, that's oh, okay. I could do without that. I think. What's your. Takeaway, Matt. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Oh, I, I think, like, my worst thing is that, like, I agree I'm not into the that treatment of leftist groups because we only see one example of the leftist group and it's been completely co-opted by the, uh, like, the violent revolutionary arm of it for nefarious purposes. Um, my takeaways from it are, so number one, I think it's amazing that this type of film, like that, it, it was kept under two hours, um, and I think that's admirable and uh, should be done more. Because um, even then, there the, like there were some stretches that did go on for a little too long. Like like you said, I I, I do agree that some of the like walking through really busted up towns uh, and cities was like maybe went on for a little too long but overall like it was it was really tight and i do appreciate that a lot um i did want to say shoot there was something that i really wanted to talk about but now i can't remember Mm. Mm. so that sucks um (laughs) was it the um we talked about uh king crimson we talked about the um things we hated no. uh, we talked about takeaways from the film talked about white people dreadlock there's uh <laughs> there's was it patrick oh you wanted to talk about the police officer sid that's what you to oh that's true i did but that wasn't my thing for this moment okay. i did want to just right. mention sid talking in third person and like clearly being somebody that we were gonna have to kill at some point in this it movie it took me two it took me two scenes to figure out he was talking in third person yeah. i was like is he talking about is he not Sid? I thought he was Sid. And then I'm like, he did it. The second scene, I was like, oh, I get it. He's he's doing a thing. I got it. <laughs> I do. What what I did appreciate from Sid's... I mean, I appreciated a lot about Sid's character. I really love that the first scene is him taking advantage of his position of power as, like, a practical joke that really... Mm-hmm. There's no relief once you find out that, like, yeah, this is the guy that we were looking for. Like, it's still, like, impossibly threatening, and we are threatened by Sid yeah. for the entire time that he's in the movie, because the police are inherently threatening whether or not we are in a fascist state, which, you know, I'm not saying that whether we are or not, but... Um, so I, I did appreciate the treatment of the police overall in this movie, including the the good police officer who was gonna help them he wasn't really good. He was just shown to be like, oh, yeah, he just fucking sucks. He'll do whatever. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I did air quotes because he was oh, like. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the friend. He was, he was Michael Caine's friend and, you know. So. But yeah. but the way that they. Like, at no point do we ever trust him. It's a weird friendship, by the way. I can't even imagine. <laughs> so, so to answer your uh, question, Bert, the thing I hated the most was at the end of the film. And this is just really nitpicky. But the different nationality marches that we had like the the first was like um I, i'm unfortunately drawing a blank on the flag but there's a a march through the streets that clive Owen has to interact with um, right 
and then later on, after I think they're about to leave the house, yeah, um, he is. There's a French flag, like there's like a. So I, I just was wondering, like, does, are, there, are there scheduled like nation marches through this refugee camp? Like, what's going on? Um, I felt like one of them was like a funeral. Type yes. Thing. No. The, the first one definitely was a funeral, but then I didn't understand the connection to the French flag later on. So yeah. I don't know. Um, I think the takeaways for me is coming back to this movie. I definitely found it very depressing the first time I saw it, and this time I didn't have the same kind of reaction. And I don't know why. Um, maybe it's because I'm sort of numb to climate change and yeah. impending catastrophe. Um, and I'm speaking to someone who hopes to someday, like I'm single right now and hope to someday be a dad. Um, Clearly you're not numb enough to it. Exactly. Someday hope to, you know, um, raise children, you know, but um, so in theory, this movie should like deeply impact me, but I'm just kind of like, huh? Like it's to me like one of those great experiences. I think that you can have when you come to a text, like a book or a film once went younger in your life and then come back to it again later on and to sort of like see how you're different as you react to it differently before I found it very depressing and be like wow like this is so depressing it's so hopeful it's so beautiful and now I think I'm at the point where it's like I don't find this movie hopeful I find it um I guess the way that I interact with hope is different now to me like hope would have been a very much an abstract concept and to me there's potential for humanity as a species to continue and survive at the end of the film, which wasn't there at the beginning. But I wouldn't say that I'm hopeful that things will change, that things will get better anytime soon. And maybe that's, I think, and that's sort of like how I feel like I've had to engage with climate catastrophe, that like, we're going to be in for some really hard times. There's no real way around it. And the best that we can do is hang on to each other um, because that's all that we're going to have. Do you think the baby represents Bernie Sanders? Is that how, <laughs> <laughs> is that how it works? Uh, yeah, I think if I had kids, uh, and and most importantly, I had like a doormat that says like uh, Jesus protects this house, I would have a completely different takeaway from the movie. Um, what if you had a but, doormat that said "Come back with a warrant"? Oh, like? then that's I already do. Um, <laughs> Not really, but. So now that we're talking a little bit like personal stuff, specifically like relating to babies, um, I am remembering the part where Michael Caine's character, like they're talking about why aren't women having babies? And it just like made me so angry because it's just like once again, fertility like and, and reproduction is rested solely on the shoulders of like yeah of women again it's just like what how do you know all the sperm didn't die like the eggs could still be fine presumably women are still menstruating so like right at the beginning of the film um i it it entered my brain immediately like okay so this movie is about there are no more nobody's having children anymore so now the movie has to make a very critical distinction are the sperm not working or are we gonna pin it on women? And it on they they surprise. make it. They immediately go. And eh, women can't have children anymore. And, and in I'm the like, book, okay. it's men. It was, That's the thing. I was immediately like, okay, well maybe the source material said that. And then I looked it up, and it's like, nope, it's men in the book. I'm like, yeah. Why would you make that change? Like, what purpose is there? Yeah, that like, seems like a. I, I'm not. 
I'm not picking up on why that change was made for sure. And I'm it's I'm definitely yeah. sensitive to it. A lot of <sighs> a lot of like story and filmmaking is like hoisted on the experience and validity and value of women as the ability to make and carry babies and as someone like who has elected to take that option completely off the table biologically um it's definitely like a sticking point that i feel a lot like um like it's a it's often i do see it a lot like oh it's oh the most tragic thing about my character is that i can't have kids Mm -hmm. um which you know definitely is tragic if you want to have children um and you're unable to like definitely it's i'm not saying that that they're uh, that that sort of like grief and suffering like isn't valid, but the whole idea of like everything that you are rests on your ability to provide a you know a womb for yeah. a child, and it's just it's really frustrating to me because like yeah I do get called selfish a lot, um, and I get like question I get questioned a lot on like my decisions and and stuff like that. Um, it's just it's just really wild and so like obviously for me like i bristle at that a lot um this whole like idea of like well now you have to humanity literally rests on you and i just want to be like well that was your fucking problem now wasn't it so (laughs) yeah um well not only that like because i i love trash films like in the super feminist joss whedon movie age of ultron oh god yes uh, yes black widow is a literally she describes herself as a monster because she, not just like yeah, grief she, from like unable to do it she is a monster because she can't have children yeah oh yeah i picked it's, up on that and i was very angry at that thanks joss <laughs> yeah with that it's like the difference between a like a it's the difference between personal grief and like the symbolic grief like if it's if it's if the character wants to have kids and they can't okay like i get it 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 sucks but like in in this movie that's the thing like i i had this kind of feeling like it, it are they trying to say that um it's hard to even put into words are they trying to say that the problem is that uh people having kids is so miraculous that when people don't care about having kids anymore they lose hope like is it that literal and having it be that women are the reason was not helping its case in that regard for me that really turned me on it a little bit kind of to be like that's a conscious decision i don't know why you would make it i could maybe see the the shitty like religious reason of like we're making a a an analogy to Genesis here with the apple and shit, and I don't like that either. It's kind of like I just don't understand why it's in the there's, movie. There's there's definitely a bit of like slut shaminess that's going on with like the amount of characters. I'm not enough to not enough for me to like apply it to like a broad scale. But when Julian Moore talks about the hundreds of people she tried the ping pong ball with, that he doesn't remember the name of like the dad because like whatever because she originally thought, and I I think I'm quoting this directly from the movie. Uh, before she thought she got pregnant, she thought she got, quote-unquote, the pest. Um, and then, like, the right. whole, like, women can't have kids. It's almost like saying, like, you know, oh, well, pff, maybe if you... You know, like, it felt it felt kind of weird. I'm not sure if that was the message it was going for. But the whole, like... That's the kind of thing about, like... Uh, sorry, like, the, um, the... The casualness of the sexual conversation is, like... I. I don't feel like it's going for the kind of 
empowerment thing, and it's going more for the, like, people don't care about reproduction anymore, so sex has lost all value. And, I, and I'm like, that's very, like, conservative mm-hmm. and creepy. <laughs> like, can't... I don't know, and and it the movie it rides that line the whole time. Uh, but it, it almost fetishizes the not me fetishizes like a sexual way, but like the sort of Marxist way, the fetishizing of sex as a procreative act. Right, but like the men don't really have a conversation like between themselves and like how much they're fucking. It's only when right. we're talking about women. It's, I mean... All men are incels, I guess, in this film, except for the married one. <laughs> like, it's just so, like, weird to to have, yeah, just the, the topic of, like, the frequency of sex only be about women. And I get it because, like, again, like, they're saying babies, whatever, but, like, it's not like a conversation that, like, men are having with each other, like, the other conversations. I mean, you know... Um, there are definitely times to, to bring it up, especially like when he's talking about his cousin and uh, when they talk about like his cousin's wife and he says like, oh, I bet this girl, like it's not saying like, it's almost like saying like, ah, yes, you're in love. You, you have a single partner. These women, pff, the sluts. Yeah. Like it, it felt almost it, like that. Of like men are monogamous, feels like, but women aren't. It feels like because reproduction is removed from the equation that now the only purpose women have is is sex like that's it like so they're even less of p it, it it honestly like that's almost what the behavior feels like in the movie like the way people react to women is just very like it it's the i think the only exception is when um I mean, Michael Caine's nice, but, you know, like, when they have the fish scene where everybody's so interested in her decision. Mm-hmm. But even then, that's, like, uh, Okafer doesn't really care. Like, it's all bullshitting. Yeah. Uh, it's it's yeah. virtue signaling. Oh, man. Well, see, even with... No, Kitty, you made me think of, like, that um, Steamer talks about he has, says, I met a girl. The conversation between the two of them isn't about... There's... There's not a future in that relationship, right? There, there's like without. And I feel the, like that's because they're not going to have kids. Exactly. That's yes, what I no. feel like the movie's saying. Well, yeah. right. Yes. No, I totally agree with that reading, and I think that's um, but again bullshit. sort of speaks. <laughs> yes, it speaks to your point um, about um, you know the the sort of essentializing nature of relationships. Like, if there isn't the chance for procreation in what's some the capacity, point of anything. Yeah. Exactly. What's the point? Yeah. Because uh, like I mean, the way that Clive Owen talks about it is just kind of like, I met a girl, and the guys like, all right, cool, like who cares? <laughs> he immediately asks, like, is she cute? Yeah, thematically, like I kind of get it, but the problem is, is like I, I don't know whether it's intentional or or not, but it it does push that kind of women are for making babies thing. Like if, if there's no if there's no making babies, then what's the point other than like just like it's it's it, deserving it's tropes. like love does not enter into anything at that point like people just can't have relationships because the it, only it's time, so weird like, I mean it is really hard to use this concept as a start to a story without having that implied in it but like I don't know just from like a person who writes science fiction stuff and 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 read science fiction stuff like 
the this concept of like, hey, what would happen if we just couldn't have babies anymore? Like, that's a really cool idea. That's a really cool starting place for a movie or a story or something. And I think this is baggage that, like, can just inherently come along with that. And yeah, I don't really know how you would defeat that and also be operating within this universe that, like... But... Unless you end up saying, like, oh, yeah, things would just The be lack fine. of babies normal, isn't, like... Which is not compelling. The lack of babies doesn't happen. Like, we're not, like, you know, a thousand years into the future with, like, lots of kids. Like, we're 20 years. Like, the idea that, like... You know, like love and well, like relationships we... and partnerships have fallen apart in twenty years, like eighteen years even. Like, I don't think. I mean, clearly, like there are still these old these old ideals that die hard. Like, why wouldn't you know? It, it's just I don't know. It's a weird thing of like women and tropes in this movie. Like, it's definitely I, not I f- progressive. Yeah. In that. Yeah, I feel like the concept that. Like, the, the what-if sci-fi concept of what if women couldn't have kids. And then taking that to, well, then men are going to treat women even worse. Um, while possibly realistic is very, very... It's hard for me to say whether that's, like, a feminist commentary saying, like, men are so terrible <laughs> that this would probably happen due to patriarchal structures. Or whether it's, like... Well, is the film saying that women's value is lowered by not being able to reproduce? I don't. I don't know. It's so subtextual low. that I don't feel like it's a commentary on it. Like it's just a, hey, what if women couldn't have kids? Then they. Then what purpose do they serve? Like it's I would, very. I wouldn't like, say a lower value. I would say almost a neuter value. Like women. I think. I think in a way the absence of women's reproductive capacity in the film speaks to not only it speaks to something complicated in the film itself but also the way that we as a society now engage with women in the sense that like without that uh reproductive capacity women are they lose uh, not that not that they lose society takes away from them a um a value assignment in a way I think my I verdict on it, it is the movie does not bring enough attention to the issue for it to be a commentary. It it I feel like it's very played off. Like that's just how things are. It feels like not so much a commentary as the way the the storyteller imagined it would happen because they've bought into the patriarchy. Like that's just a I feel like that's just the understanding the person who wrote it has. I, if it was a commentary, I feel it would be it would take more effort to show key in a different light, and more importantly, the women who can't have children in a different light. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't really do that it at all. They're just there going through those motions and experiencing those things and it's just and sometimes that's just the way it literal is. props like with michael kane's wife mm-hmm. yeah i mean which is sad but like it's she's a i mean so's so's women's heads in refrigerators like you know like it's not it's sad but it's not a but it's, it's to it's show... It's not a commentary. It's to show... In this case, I think, like, that was to show that, like, Michael Caine's character doesn't suck. He still values women. Even, you know, whatever. Like, 
there's there's some mixed messages that come through, but it's just the whole, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the whole like forced like the lack of reproductive justice. Obviously, in a world where, I mean, why why would you have any of it when it seems like it's obsolete? Um, but yeah, sort of the the treatment and and whatnot. Like, does it get better? Does it get worse? Uh, is everything just shit? So nothing really actually matters in the context of like gender dynamics. But it's still like the whole why women aren't having babies. Like, I definitely, like, that was a, a sticking point for me. Like, why is it good? No, I agree. It's it's the hardest thing in the movie for me because I feel it's, like, just childbearing is so central to the theme of, like, it's literally representative of the hope for humanity, and that becomes, like, okay, but, like, I mean, <laughs> if, if, you, if you look at it as analogous to today, I mean, if you take it, if you take the literalness out of it, it's like, okay, that works. But then once you put it back in, it's like, okay, that doesn't work at all. Because, you know, women can't even get abortions in, like, however many states. They can get, like, the death penalty, <laughs> like, as of a few days ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Super cool. Like it's, Love being a woman. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and in 2006, I'm, I'm positive it wasn't better. It was worse, if anything. It So, I mean... I have a hard time completely holding it against the movie because I understand what it's trying to do and and how it's trying to do it, Um, but it definitely is a hard thing to square. Like I said, the the themes are the hardest thing for me to to square with, how thematically they tie in everything, but literally it's like, oh, I have this disconnect, you know? Well, and we we don't necessarily need to think about necessarily the intention and hold that higher up i think we can talk about the impact how it portrays people how it comes across on the screen how women are portrayed how people of color are portrayed like intention can you know only matter i think so much and i think it's intention can be a context for how we read the film but i think that it doesn't override what ends up on the screen like i might have an intention to do something that's like speaks very poignantly to a particular issue or topic and if i portray it in a poor way then that is what that's it is. something I've had a lot of issues with lately, um, it, like coming to terms with or or figuring out my own stance on is like, uh, for example, uh, I had a big uh, discussion on Twitter <laughs> with uh, Cryon the other day about uh, uh, Batman v Superman and Zack Snyder and, like, the intent of the director because he saw it as a kind of, like, um, Batman is basically fascist and he gets shown that fascism is is incorrect and wrong. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, there's no way Zack Snyder is saying that. Like, he has <laughs> no intention at all of putting that on the screen. He's, he's bumbling his way through this movie and you're pulling that on the movie. He's like, well, it doesn't matter. He's like, I don't care what he intended to do. And I was like, okay. I, that's valid and respectable. Like I, I, I respect that, but I can't do it. It's it's hard for me to go, to to watch a Zack Snyder movie and go, eh, I don't care why Zack Snyder did this or what his intention was. Like I constantly watch a movie with the with the, with the mindset of what is the director trying to do here? Why are they <laughs> trying to do it? That that really bit me with uh, Kingsman. Because mm-hmm. I watched it, and I thought that it was a parody of, like, 
like obviously it has its like references to to James Bond and stuff, and that's like the main point of the movie. I thought it was a parody of the whole thing and a parody of the violence in action movies and stuff like that. And then I read an interview with the director who was just a huge idiot, and he was just like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, we were we just wanted to have a great time and make it be a fun movie with a lot of cool fighting scenes." And See I was that, just like, "I thought you were making fun of this stuff." And that makes it so hard because it's like if if you watch it and enjoy it as a as a satirical thing, and then you find out it's not satirical. Yeah. But that's not the intent. It's like, how am I even supposed to take this anymore? Um, you can you know, call it the Starship Troopers uh, paradox. Uh, that's and when we get to that, I got lots of comments. I about cannot that. wait to get to Starship Troopers. Um, but yeah, the the intent of the director is is something I always have problems with, um, which we'll probably talk about in other episodes a lot. Yeah, it's weird. I'm really good at death of the author when it comes to books i'm really Mm -hmm. bad at it when it comes to movies and maybe that's because i have more of a like personal relationship with directors and stuff and i know what i can attribute to different directors but i i don't really know why that difference is there well i find that ironic because if you think about it from a strictly creative standpoint yeah, authors more... get to exert 100% control exactly. over the, like, outside of editors, they get to determine exactly what ends up on their book, but, like, movies are, are a collaborative kind of piece, you know? There was a costume director who's being like, the white people should wear some dreads. I like two white people <laughs> with dreads. Put some of those in there. Um, and, and, you know, Haran's like, ah, sure, great. Sounds great. Yeah, um, I feel like... It's, I do feel the same way as Chris, though. Like, I think it's because the books, a lot of books, especially, like, hard literature and stuff like that, I don't feel it. I know it is manipulative, but I don't feel like it is trying to manipulate. Like, I don't feel like it's a product. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like usually it's a labor of of something, of expression. and, and Whereas, like, movies... Even the most avant-garde, like, out-there experimental films, I can feel like, how is this movie trying to manipulate me and why? And do I approve of it? <laughs> That's always how I take visual media. I don't know why. Um, probably, be- I think it's because, like, if you watch TV, like, you're just bombarded with, like manipulation like advertisements and even in shows are basically just advertisements now you know mm-hmm. like and you know that's bled into movie. like i could talk about marvel and all that nonsense all day and the disney <laughs> conglomeration and all that but you know you anytime i watch a film i'm like what is the director trying to do here and is it is it uh okay with me or not whereas a book i can be like okay you know Maybe it's easier to spot in book. Yeah. Well, on that note, I think that's a topic that we'll pick up in later episodes. Um, I want to say thank you, everyone, for listening today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this discussion. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about the 2019 version of the film, Serenity, not the Joss Whedon film. And we look forward to uh, you joining us again for our discussion of that film. Uh, once again, my name is Matt Nelson, and uh, we'll see you next week.